0: Okay, thanks, Producer Eric. Okay, start whenever. Yep. Hi, welcome to the Deeper Darker Variety Show. I'm your host, Casey. And I'm screaming internally. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> welcome to another wonderful episode. This is episode 10. Oh, we have an anniversary. Yeah. What?
1: It's not Was annual. This the pa- paper anniversary. This is some anniversary,
0: and we'll celebrate in some way
1: one of these days. But yeah, episode 10. Well, uh, that would be 10 dates in, so it's the anniversary of, I don't know. 14th time you boinked him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. So you you know how there is a German word for everything? Yeah. So I found a new, uh, my new favorite one. It's called Kummer Speck. And it literally translates to grief bacon or sorrow fat. <laughs> <laughs> I've been eating
1: a lot of grief bacon lately.
0: Yeah, we we all have a case of the grief bacons. We've all we've
1: all gained a little bit of sorrow fat
0: as we weep times. for our
1: democracy. Yeah, as it crumbles around us. God. We laugh because it's not funny at all. Yeah, we laugh
0: because it's probably better than crying, right? I we guess. gotta find some of the humor in it when we're we're slowly devolving into an autocratic organization
1: authoritarian regime authoritarian
0: jesus christ yeah um oh i officially got scheduled for surgery oh congratulations so the last episode we talked about i had the consultation i'm officially scheduled by time this airs will be august 5th and i will hopefully be being discharged from the hospital my surgery
1: is august 3rd so we'll come into her room while she's all loaded with these mics and just see what she (laughs) says.
0: it's gonna be great Uh, so yeah, we will still, while I'm all laid up, well, we're going to have, we have a special episode that we're going to be airing that we recorded a little while ago with a very special guest. And that's all I'm going to say about it for now. Is it Kanye? Maybe. (laughs) It might be Kanye. (laughs) We might have a Kimye on our show. Oh yeah. Begging us not to sue them or begging them not to sue us. (laughs) (laughs) We're sorry. Sorry. We're sorry. Uh, what else? Oh, please keep liking and subscribing on Facebook and Instagram. We really appreciate all the attention we're getting. Uh, please subscribe and rate on Google, Stitcher, and Ironheart Radio. We're still planning on doing a Q&A episode. So submit your questions, topic suggestions.
1: Oh, wait, real quick. Did we not uh, Did we not cover that somebody called my bluff on that I can't I can't afford to buy a bunch of fucking books to read? And so- oh my, tell the story. Someone donated. Uh, someone named Jamie, who I think is my number Thanks, one. Jamie. I love her. She uh she donated us a hundred dollars to to my books to my books yeah thank you Jamie yeah we thanks really a appreciate lot it. for calling my bluff that's <laughs> some shit right there now I have to we're gonna read buy some, some
0: books fucking books gotta read now yeah oh my gosh okay so I I have one more story before getting into the topic so I've I've discovered I have a hidden talent oh I'm so. I do this podcast mostly because I love researching things. I love knowing things. I love researching the shit out of things. I think that's kind of why we both enjoy doing this. It's true. And my my really hidden secret talent came into play the other day when I was watching a video. That was not a
1: fart. That was the couch. Just so we're clear. <laughs> I know the mic
0: picked that up. I did it not just rip fart. one. Go on with what you're saying. I was watching a video that was posted online from the production company Black Zebra. That's been following yes. all the BLM stuff. So, uh, if you if you have a chance to watch their videos, do it. Donate to their cause. They're fucking killing it. So they were videotaping a protest in front of Gavin Newsom's house, in which is he lives in Fair Oaks, California, and that's common knowledge. And I'm watching this video. I'm like, I wonder where in Fair Oaks this is. And so I Google, I just go into Google and I Google uh, Gavin Newsom's house. And of course it doesn't give the address, yeah. but it has lots of pictures of it. And I think, okay, there's really nice areas of because I bet he lives along the river. So I fucking pull up Google Maps and I just start searching for houses that look like his. And I fucking found it.
1: Wow, you're a creeper.
0: <laughs> I'm so good at it. I'm a real good stalker. Web Sleuther, if you've seen that, that documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. Yeah. I am body moving.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, then. So if you
0: guys ever need me to stalk someone, hey, I'm here for hire.
1: Yeah. Also, don't fuck with Casey, apparently. Yeah, don't, because I'll find you.
0: <laughs> and also, to, uh, to, just to put it out there, I really like Gavin Newsom. Not planning. He's doing a great not, job. Uh, not planning on going to his house. You're doing a great job, Governor. Thank you. Thank you for for holding us together. Uh, anyway... Uh, onto the main topic. So my sources were Wikipedia, the Washington Post, NPR, and History.com. I keep forgetting to do sources, so I actually wrote it down. Don't forget to mention your sources. Uh, so a little background. So Ashley, so the the listeners out there known is known for very dark and funny, hilarious posts. The memes are just so good. And you posted one the other day that particularly caught my attention. The meme read, if you're baffled at all these people refusing to wear masks, in 1865, they threw the doctor that recommended handwashing into an insane asylum and beat him to death. And I thought to myself, I know I've heard this story somewhere before, and I think it's true. So I looked it up, and it is 100% the true story of Hungarian physician Ignat Semmelweis, And so today we're going to be discussing the very tragic story of Ignaz Semmelweis and his radical theory on (laughs) handwashing, because it's... it's very topical for today. I mean, all these people who are like, oh, fuck the scientists, they don't know anything, fuck the CDC, I'm not gonna wear this mask.
1: They changed, they, they said different things and I, so I don't believe them, as though the scientific method doesn't work that way. Like-
0: exactly, and I think that's the problem with people not taking science, or not, not learning science, not taking the time to learn it, because they don't learn about the scientific method. So we, we as a country, as a world, are watching the scientific method unfold in real
1: time. There's going to be mistakes. It's a brand new virus. They don't know what it's going to do. At first it's guesswork. And then the more data you have, then you can start to create a hypothesis. Yes. (laughs) And I will say to all you goddamn Google researchers out there, you do not know more about medicine than a doctor because they've gone (laughs) to school and learned the scientific method and learned all of these things, how to interpret data. Data is not simple. I don't, I don't, fucking understand it and i'm not going around i've had people say to me that they know so much about medicine now because they've been googling shit there's actually a radio i don't know if it was local or syndicated but on one of the i believe it's the either the davis station or the nevada city station which are local radio stations they had like an anti-vax show and this Jesus. woman they were talking to was straight up like, I learned all this shit from Google. It's, well, you can't have an expert on there that is an expert because they know
0: how to No, sh- how experts to are things. experts. You, you do not know more than someone with a PhD. You do not know more. The fact that they have a PhD means that they are an expert
1: in that a specific topic. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and the amount of time, a whole lifetime of study. It's like saying that you are a master violinist because you can pick it up and like maybe... Play a note or two. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's You're not how just, it works. I'm just as good as anyone in the Philharmonic, clearly, because I Googled it. Right. It's the same thing, right? Right, exactly.
0: You, you, listen, experts are experts, and you have to trust the experts. I feel so bad for all these expert epidemiologists who have spent their entire lives being an expert at this thing, and everyone's just fucking flipping them a bird. More
1: interested in listening
0: to chiropractors? Oh, for fuck's sake. Don't even get me started on chiropractors. <laughs> Sorry to chiropractors out there listening, but (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) You serve a purpose for some things, but you're not going to cure someone's fucking cold by adjusting their back. Yeah, I won't. You
1: you can't speak to any of that. But let's talk about uh, some hand-washing shit right here. Okay, so a little bit of background. Ignaz Semmelweis. Semmelweis? I would assume so. Don't
0: look at me. Ignaz Semmelweis. I like that name. He was born on July 1st, 1818 in Taban, Uh, Hungary, which is a neighborhood in what is today part of Budapest. He was the fifth out of 10 children from a prosperous grocer family, which if you're raising 10 fucking kids, you better have some goddamn money. Yeah, that's true. Uh, He began studying law at the University of Vienna in 1837, but the following year, for reasons unknown, he switched his major to medicine. That happens. I can't even tell you how many times I switched my major. Yeah. Lots of people do do that. Yeah. He was awarded his doctor of medicine degree in 1844 at the young age of 26. Wow. Imagine being a doctor at 26 these days. Not going to happen. I mean, maybe it's sometimes.
1: It uh, excuse you, uh, Doogie Hauser, MD. Sorry, sorry for forgetting
0: about that. I loved that show so much. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad, but I loved it. Uh, later, after failing to obtain an appointment in a clinic for internal medicine, he decided to specialize in obstetrics. Pussy doctor. Ooh. Yeah. On his 28th birthday in 1846, he was appointed assistant per- to Professor Johann Klein in the first obstetrical clinic of the Vienna General Hospital. Uh, a comparable position to the assistant to the professor in, in the United States today would be the chief resident. Okay. So he was in charge of examining patients each morning, each morning, in preparation for the professor's rounds. He supervised difficult baby deliveries and uh, teach students of obstetrics. And also, he was the clerk of the records. Okay. Maternity institutions were set up all over Europe to address problems of infanticide of illegitimate children. So, infanticide kind of preceded abortion. So, women who were giving birth to these illegitimate children, they would just give birth to them and then murder them. Yes. Yeah. It was really terrible, and it was because you know a lot of times they couldn't afford it. So, they Ignaz Semmelweis and other physicians, they they were set up as gratis institutions, free institutions, okay. and offered to care for the infants, which made them attractive to underprivileged women, including sex workers. However, nothing in this world is free, so in return for the free services for their children, the women would have to be subjects for training of doctors and midwives. So yeah,
1: you yeah, see this yeah. today
0: still, underprivileged well, people are basically used as lab rats. Or
1: yeah, well even simply, you can go get cheap uh, dentistry at the dental college. I used to do that in, in when I was in college yeah. all
0: the time because I couldn't afford to go to the dentist. Yeah. You can get a cleaning there and it was either really cheap or free. Yeah. So there were two maternity clinics at the Viennese hospital. The first clinic had an average mortality rate of about 10% due to childbed fever. Good Lord. The second clinic, which was run mostly by midwives, but run predominantly by midwives, was considerably lower, averaging around less than 4%. Okay. So this fact was known outside the hospital, and the two clinics admitted on different days, but women were begging to be admitted to the second clinic of course. because they just knew that they had a less, lesser chance to die. Yeah, better and survival because, rate. Yeah, the first clinic just had such a bad reputation. So a little sidebar, childbed fever is sepsis due to a streptococcal infection introduced into the vagina. By a woman's birth attendant, and it was a common cause of death, much feared by pregnant women until the end of the nineteenth century. Wow! Yeah, because they didn't before then. They didn't even know what caused
1: it, right? Yeah, exactly. It was basically just you might get sick yeah, after giving birth. Yeah, you might get
0: sick, and so basically, you would have these symptoms develop within a few days, and then within a few days to a couple weeks, you'd be dead. Jesus! Because um, they, they just had no idea yeah, what it was. There, and there's or no how penicillin to fight the infection. Exactly. This is like pre Louis Pasteur days. Yes. So, yeah, like I said, this would develop in women around three days postpartum, and then symptoms would include a high fever, abdominal pain, and delirium.
1: AKA a really, really bad infection.
0: Yeah, exactly. Precisely. So, Semmelweis described desperate women begging on their hands and knees to be admitted into the second clinic. Some women even preferred to give birth in the streets, pretending to have given birth suddenly en route to the hospital, which meant that they would still qualify for all the childcare benefits without uh, having to be admitted to the first clinic, which is where they would die. So he was very puzzled. He, he didn't know how childbed fever was rare among women giving birth in the streets. And uh, to quote him, he said, To me, it appeared logical that patients who experienced street birth would become ill at at least as frequently as those who delivered in the clinic. He continued to ponder what protected those who delivered outside the clinic from these destructive, unknown, endemic influences, end quote. Uh, So he was very severely troubled that the first clinic had such a high mortality rate due to childbed fever, than the second clinic, and it made him so miserable that he was found saying that, quote, life seemed worthless. Wow. Uh, So he really cared about his patients. I mean, he was a really, really great physician who was just very troubled by all this. The two clinics – so now he's trying to figure out what's going on. The two clinics – used almost the same techniques and so he began eliminating possible differences the only major difference that he found was the individuals who worked there so the first clinic was a teaching service for the medical students so okay. it was doctors medical students where the second clinic had been selected in 1841 for the instruction of midwives only okay so that that's a clue here he also excluded overcrowding as a possible problem as both clinics had or the the second clinic had Way more patients than the first clinic okay. because people were people preferred to, to go there. in there. So it wasn't until 1847 when he finally had his breakthrough following the death of a good friend of his who was actually poked with a scalpel during a post-mortem examination of a cadaver. This ah. is very important. His friend's autopsy showed that the, the same pathology as the women who were dying of childbed fever. So there was, there was a pathogen. There was something that was causing both deaths. So he then proposed – he proposed that he and the medical students were carrying cadaverous particles on their hands from the autopsy room to the patients they examined in the first obstetrical clinic. Again, they did not wash their hands. Hand washing was not a common thing. It was not a common practice back then. But he's kind of laying the groundwork for it now. So he's thinking, okay, we, I, we are clearly carrying something from these cadavers, these dead people – on our hands,
1: and then touching these women, and there oh, you go. They, so They've been working with dead bodies, and then they go and stick their hands in some woman's vagina to help a baby out of there. Exactly. That's disgusting. Uh,
0: this explained why the midwives in the second clinic were, were not cross-contaminating because they weren't engaged in autopsies and they had no contact with any corpses. That makes total sense. So, so it's all, the cogs are spinning. It's all coming together for them. And also it's, it's fair to note that at this time, the germ theory of disease had not yet been widely accepted. It actually wasn't even really proposed until the 1860s and wasn't accepted until like the late 1870s, 1880s almost. Well, God, you're
1: trying to convince people back then that there's tiny invisible things making right. them sick. That's... Without having... Sounds like heresy, really. right?
0: And you don't have a word for it. There's... Yeah. No, he, the worm germ does not exist at this point. <laughs> so because of this, he still instituted a policy of using a solution of chlorinated lime, which also known as calcium hydrochlorate, for washing their hands in between autopsy work and examination of patients. He did this because he found that the chlorinated solution worked best to remove the putrid smell of infected autopsy flesh... I,
1: I, so I get I get why people didn't understand what germs are and everything, but I just feel like if I stuck my hands in a corpse and my hands smelled like corpse, that I would want to get that off of my hands, like not 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 because of germs necessarily, but because there's corpse on my hands and it yeah. smells. Yeah, well, common sense wasn't very popular back then. I guess,
0: but Jesus, <laughs> your hands stink, and especially before you go and you're gonna touch someone, the like. Bits, someone's lady bits, and pull a baby out of it. Ugh.
1: Dead hands? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh.
0: Pretty gross. Pretty gross. So, so this all is starting to actually lay the basis for the later germ theory. So the result of his policy change was the mortality rate in the first clinic declined by 90%. Wow. And the mortality rate was comparable then to that of the second clinic. Uh, the mortality rate in April of 1847 was 18.3%. Dead. And after hand washing had been instituted in mid-May, the rates in June were two point two percent. Wow! In July, one point two percent. In August, one point nine percent. And for the first time since the introduction of the the uh, hand washing. The death rate was zero within two months in the year following this discovery. So this guy's a hero. So, right. So there's obviously a connection. He may not have the words to be able to explain that connection, but it, empirically... He just saved a bunch of lives. Yes. Big time. So so now we're going to go a, a little deep. This is where shit gets deep. This so, is where we go off the deep end. This is
1: where they hail him as a hero and he lives happily ever after, right? Please?
0: No, <laughs> this is the deeper, darker variety show, not the happy, sunshine, rainbow variety show. I
1: quit. I'm going <laughs> next door to Teen Dolphin Sunrise. Yes, <laughs> forgot about that.
0: So good. Um, so some some Semmelweis's observations conflicted with the established scientific and medical opinions of the time. The theories of diseases were at the time highly influenced by the de- the ideas that there was an imbalance of the four humors in the body a theory known as dyscrasia for which the main treatment was bloodlettings we discussed this in episode three
1: humors humor's stupid what were the humors again black bile i think it was wasn't it blood urine black bile and green bile black green because it was, bla- mucus, no, or something it was black bile yellow bile phlegm phlegm that's what it blood. was yeah yay good something job something stick
0: okay <laughs> Uh, medical texts of the time emphasized that each case of disease was unique and the result of personal imbalance and that the main difficulty of the medical profession was to establish precisely each patient's unique situation case by case which it makes that every patient's different every body is different but, but there they're
1: are not com- that different right
0: there are common pathogens that are going to create the same symptoms in different people yeah and but the, the at the time they just they couldn't even fathom that So the findings from the autopsies of deceased women also showed a confusing multitude of physical signs, which emphasized the belief that childbed fever was not one but many different yet unidentified diseases. So that kind of speaks to you're going to have different symptoms. Different people are going to have different symptoms. It doesn't mean it's coming from different. And again, childbed fever is just an overarching term. It could be caused by different bacteria. So that could explain the different symptoms or it could be caused by a viral strain. So you know they just didn't know at that time. So but they're they're just trying to throw out anything to kind of discredit the state. Of course. So in 1848, Semmelweis widened the scope of his washing protocol to include washing all instruments coming in contact with patients in labor, and used mortality rates to document his success in virtually eliminating childbed fever from the hospital ward. You think that everyone would be like, "Fuck yeah, dude! Yeah. Good job! Congratulations!" Yeah. But no. Uh. So the, re- the rejection of Zemmelweis' empirical observation is often traced to a phenomenon called belief perseverance, which is the psychological tendency of clinging to discredited beliefs. This should sound familiar.
1: Ugh.
0: This should sound familiar. All the people believing any sort of conspiracy theory that they can cling onto to that, that aligns with their own personal beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah. So as a result of this, his ideas were obviously rejected by the medical community. Some doctors were offended that at, the, at mere suggestion that they should wash their hands, feeling that their social status as gentlemen was inconsistent with the idea that their hands would be unclean. Again, this should all
1: sound very familiar. My social status as a gentleman is going to be unfairly impeded if I wash my hands after having put them in a dead body before I put them in a vagina.
0: Right. They think that because they're (coughs) they're they're so high on the social ladder that they should be they're naturally unclean or they're naturally clean (sighs) that they shouldn't have to do anything to make themselves uh, cleaner. Crazy, right? (laughs) I told you, this is where we go real deep into some weird shit. God! Uh, So, Semmelweis' views were very much more favorably received in the United Kingdom uh, uh, in comparison to any other country. But he was more often cited than understood because the British thought, oh, well, we already came up with this. So we're just going to cite you as uh, agreeing with our, our already established theory which was not the case.
1: I mean, that's, very, that's a very British
0: Empire thing to do, really. Absolutely, yes. This is ours. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the first to respond to Zemmelweis's 1848 communications was James Young Simpson, who wrote a very stinging letter. Simpson surmised that the British obstetrical, obstetrical literature... obstetrical <laughs> Simpson surmised that the British obstetrical literature must have been totally unknown in Vienna, or else someone would have known that the British had long regarded childbed fever as a contagion and would have employed chlorine washing to protect against it. Like, duh, Vienna. Stupid. We already did this, you fucking idiot, Loser.
1: God. (laughs) That's how you used to do angry Facebook comments back in the day. You had to, like, send a letter. Yeah, I already knew this. And you couldn't show it off to other people. It's a shame. I know.
0: <laughs> Look how smart I am. How I showed smart this. I, am. I showed this Viennese doctor. He's going to see this letter in two months. I pwned his ass. <laughs> He's just giving his friends high fives everywhere. <laughs> yeah, bro, you got him. Got him. Uh, in 1856, Zemmelweis' assistant, Josef Fleischer, reported the successful results of handwashing activities at St. Rocket's maternity inst- institutions in the Vienna Medical Weekly. So it was a medical weekly journal. However, the editor of that journal remarked sarcastically that it was time people stopped being misled about the theory of chlorine hand washings. So the editor of this magazine is clearly way smarter than an actual fucking physician.
1: Gee, it's nice to know some things never change.
0: Right, right, 200 years later, here we are. Uh, So two years after that, Zummelweis finally published his own account of his work in an essay, and then two years after that essay came out, he published a second essay... Called The Difference in Opinion Between Myself and the English Physicians Regarding Childbed Fever. <laughs> <laughs> well. So now he's getting very petty, and of course, I fucking love it. Uh, in 1861, he pu- published his main work, a book called The Etiology, Concept, and Prophylaxis of Childbed Fever. In his book, he lamented the slow ad- adoption of his ideas. Quote, Most medical lecture halls continue to resound with lectures on epidemic childbed fever and the discourses against my theories. In published medical works, my teachings are either ignored or attacked. So he knew what was going on. He kind of came to terms with it, but I mean, it didn't make it. Right. And easier to swallow. Right, right. He was just kind of writing like, well, everyone's just told me to fuck off, but here's my theory anyway. It's very
1: frustrating when people are dying and you know that your information can prevent it, but nobody's going to do anything with that information. Right.
0: It's really sad. It's, it's really... So that's why I call this the tragic tale of Ignaz Semmelweis. Yeah, this is quite sad. Yeah. So uh, then in a textbook, Carl Braun, who was Semmelweis's successor as assistant in the first clinic at the Hospital of Vienna where he worked originally had identified 30 causes of childbed fever. Only the 28th of these causes he, he noted as cadaverous infection. Other causes included conception and pregnancy, uremia, pressure exerted on adjacent organs by the shrinking uterus, <laughs> emotional trauma, hysterics, <laughs> mistakes in diet, chills, and atmospheric epidemic
1: influences. Sometimes women just have emotional problems and then their and then they die. vagina gets inflamed. And then, they, <laughs> and they, then die, they die from it.
0: Yeah, it's really tragic. Being a woman, it's hard, man. So so this guy is reaching for anything else to not credit this guy. It's really fucking, it's really sad. So despite all of this opposition, Braun, who was the assistant at the first clinic again for the period of April 1849 to the summer of 1853... He maintained a relatively low mortality rate in the first clinic, roughly consistent with the rate that Zemmelweis himself achieved. And these results suggest that even though Ron was kind of against Zemmelweis' theory, he still continued to require the chlorine hand washings.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's of good. Course.
0: Yeah, he's like, I don't believe in this, but I'm going to keep doing we're just it. We're going to do it anyway. Just yeah. And it just goes on. There were all kinds of doctors who just kept discrediting him. Uh, At a conference of German physicians and natural scientists, most of the speakers rejected his doctrine, including the very celebrated uh, physician Rudolf Virchow, Virchow, I'm going to go with that, who was a scientist of the highest authority at the time. Virchow's great authority in medical circles contributed greatly to Zemmelweis' lack of recognition. So he's the head honcho, and of course no one's going to question him, so when he doesn't believe it, no one else is going to. Uh, Another obstetrician in Prague, August Bresky, rejected his book as, quote, naive, and referred to it as the Quran of childbed theology. (laughs) So bad. Damn, that's some shady shit right there. I know. He objected that Zemmelweis had not provided that childbed fever and pyemia, sepsis, or, or blood poisoning, are identical, and he insisted that other factors beyond decaying organic matter certainly had to be included in the ideology of the disease. Which he's not totally wrong, but at the same time, he's on to something, and he needs to build from, from Yeah, Zubel this Weiss's. is clearly sound. Yeah, and he has sound research to go with it. Uh, it's been contended that Zemmelweiss could have had an even greater impact if he had managed to communicate his findings more effectively and avoid antagonizing the medical establishment. <laughs> even from given from opposition from entrenched viewpoints so so that that's actually a pretty fair point I think maybe but it, it was hard to effectively communicate
1: this because it was all brand new yeah well it's, it's hard not to get upset when people are fucking with you It's really hard right it's really hard to stay on. Point. Right,
0: especially when when he was doing such great things for the medical medical community, and they were just basically like, oh, fuck you, buddy, we don't believe that, there's the, no... The
1: stupidest things, can't you have just tested it? Like, it's clearly not hurting, so right. maybe just, like, they try have it. They could
0: peer-reviewed that shit.
1: Yeah, just try it in one hospital and not another one, and just see what happens? Yeah, but it just, it's so,
0: even for, for smart medical professionals, once they are set in their ways, it's very hard... At least in those times, especially, yeah. to change their minds. You get entrenched in shit. Yeah. So so now we get dark. Uh, beginning, <laughs> as if it couldn't get worse, beginning in 1861, Zemmelweis suffered from a number, for a various number of nervous breakdowns. He suffered from severe depression and became very absent-minded. He turned every conversation that he had with anybody into the topic of childbed fever. So he was just... Uh, Now he's obsessing over it, almost to the point of mania. A number of unfavorable reviews of his 1861 book. So after that, his response is that he lashed out against his critics in a series of open letters. They were addressed directly to various prominent European obstetricians. (laughs) (laughs) They were full of bitterness, desperation, and fury and were, quote, superlatively offensive, at times denouncing his critics. As irresponsible murderers and ignoramuses. Wow! God, I love that word, ignoramus. It's, it's great so word. good. He also called upon one such obstetrician to arrange a meeting of German obstetricians somewhere in Germany uh, to provide a forum for discussions on childbed fever. Where he would stay, where he would have everybody stay until all have been converted to his theory. <laughs> so his, so now he's like, "Fuck you guys! I'm going to lock you in a room until you agree with me." So, in mid-1865, his public behavior became kind of exasperating and very embarrassing to his associates. He also began to to drink a lot, and he spent progressively more time away from his family, most of the time in the company of a sex worker, and his wife noticed changes in his sexual behavior. Yeah. 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 Then, on July 13th of 1865, uh, the Zemmelweis family visited some friends During the visit, Zemmelweis' behavior seemed particularly inappropriate. It it doesn't... I couldn't find any details on what they mean by particularly inappropriate, so choose your own adventure. Just think of what the most inappropriate family gathering you have and just multiply it by 100. (laughs) Imagine having a... Having Donald Trump as your uncle, and now you have to explain
1: oh. hit him to your your he, friends. You brought someone home from college, and he's just there ranting about shit and like exactly. using the n word a lot. And exactly, you're just like, I'm really yeah. sorry. Yeah, I'm
0: assuming Zemmelweis when became everyone's like very conservative, racist uncle.
1: Yeah, I have I have one of those aunts. <laughs> yep,
0: we all do. So the exact nature of Zemelvise's affliction has been actually the subject of much debate. According to K. Codell Carter, who wrote uh, his biography, the exact nature of his affliction just can't be determined. Quote, it's impossible to appraise the nature of Zimmelweiss's disorder. It might have been Alzheimer's disease or a type of dementia, uh, which is associated with rapid cognitive decline and mood changes. It also might have been third-stage syphilis, which was then a very common, going back to last episode... Uh, going back to, or which was then a very common disease for obstetricians who examined thousands of women at gratis institutions. Uh, that makes sense.
1: And also didn't wash your hands afterwards.
0: Precisely. It, it, in between patients either. So yeah. imagine just the STDs
1: being contracted that way. Oh, my God. Can you imagine <laughs> catching syphilis because you went in for a damn OBGYN appointment? Right. Ugh. Right. And homeboy didn't wash his hands. Yeah.
0: God. Terrible. Uh, so in 1865, later in 1865, a colleague wrote a document referring Zemmelweis to a mental institution. And on July 30th of that same year, he was lured into a Viennese insane asylum. Uh, Zemmelweis kind of figured out what was happening to him and he tried to leave. Because he tried to leave, he was then severely beaten oh by several guards, secured in a straight coat and confined to a darkened cell. So apart from being beaten to within an inch of his life... And confined to a straitjacket, his treatments at the mental facility included
1: dousing him with cold water and administering castor oil as a laxative. Yeah, they did that in a lot of... That's a lot of sanitarium and a lot yeah. of prisons. They did that hydrotherapy shit. It's pretty wild to think about the... the Insane asylums back in
0: the day, what yeah. they used to do. that they, they tortured these people. And how easy it
1: was to get someone admitted, especially if that person was your husband. Your husband could say most anything to get you admitted oh, yeah. to a sanitarium. Oh,
0: yeah. You, you, your husband's, husband suspects you of cheating. Oh, my wife's gone hysterical. Here you go. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. So two weeks after being admitted, he died on August 13th, Good 1865 Lord. at age 47. Uh, he died from a gangrenous wound due to an infection on his right hand, which was caused by being beaten by the guards. The autopsy gave the official cause of death as pyemia, also known as blood poisoning, a.k.a. sepsis, which is fucking ironic, because <sighs> the whole theory that got him into this mess, which was was him doing hand-washing to prevent these same diseases in women. When really this guy revolutionized healthcare. He, he, he yeah, did. think about it.
1: Hand-washing has changed infection rates forever it lowers the infant mortality rate I, I listened to this thing about soap on npr once they were talking about mm-hmm. how much more infants live now that the mothers wash their hands yes in between. exactly and everything of hand washing how it changed everything how i mean you can't even imagine the idea of somebody doing surgery on you now and just sticking their disgusting bare hands right. in you. Know,
0: <gasps> or like like I'm getting ready to have surgery and I saw a thing online the other day that was like, you know what, I'm going to just tell my doctor not to wear a mask since the, the risk of him getting sick with it on is, no, of course I'm going to make sure every single person in that operating room has a fucking mask Oh, they're going to be on. fully
1: suited up and they're going to be very well taken care of and you're going to be very clean. Yeah. And anyone
0: who bitches about a mask, I'm like, look, I worked in medicine before I hurt myself. For eight fucking years, I was in the operating room every single day with a mask on my face for eight hours. I was fine.
1: Sometimes we have to suffer for the good of society. and Yeah, these and very, I'm not
0: saying they're not – they're super uncomfortable. This of sucks. course, they
1: suck. <laughs> and I understand having the panic attacks, and I understand, but if you can't handle the mask, get a face shield. Yeah. Just, just try, because what it sounds like mostly is that you're upset that you have to do something differently. Yes. And a lot of these people are the same people that will – talk up our troops well what the fuck do you think they have to wear over there in the 120 degree heat in the desert with the camel spiders they have to wear all kinds of heavy equipment that sucks but they have to wear that equipment to keep them safe and you're supposed to be wearing a cloth mask to keep other people safe and that's all you have to do it just sounds like even if they're completely wrong about this why not just err on the side of caution yeah yeah.
0: what is i always think like what is the worst What's the downside? What's the worst that could possibly happen by wearing a mask? There's n- virtually no
1: downside. Yeah. There's the, the people think it's tyranny for some reason to just be, yeah. please, hey, please, can we just all try this? Because maybe if we all try this, it'll work. Yeah. And we could just all do this and, pe- and pitch in. I don't know what happened. We're both old enough. You remember right after 9-11, it was a weird time, but it was also weirdly, everyone was like, we are America and we are yes, together. Yes, everyone and came together. We are going to all, I mean, minus their treatment of muslims but just generally people were very much like yeah we're americans and we're gonna get all of us together are going to make it through this we need more of that well everyone is american and everyone
0: is patriotic until you ask them to actually do something the smallest thing and then it's like their whole fucking world is ending it's it's insane yeah it's insane well so despite all the doom and gloom he did leave a bit of a legacy uh His advice on chlorine washings was, was probably more influential than he realized at the time, as we were just talking about. Many doctors, particularly in Germany, appeared quite willing to experiment with the practical hand washing measures that he proposed. Although virtually everyone rejected the basis and groundbreaking theoretical innovation, uh, that disease had, had only one cause, which was a lack of cleanliness. Everyone was like, no, that can't be it. But it's too simple. Yeah, it is a factor. So only uh, belatedly did he did his observational evidence gain wide acceptance more than 20 years later when Louis Pasteur's work offered a theoretical explanation for Zemmelweiss's observations, which was the germ theory of disease, So he really laid the fa- foundation and the groundwork for the germ theory, which any, everyone wants to get fucking hung up on the word theory it's proven, it's evidence. can we all just get over it? <laughs> As such, the Semmelweis story is often used in university courses now providing a historical count of which types of knowledge count as scientifically accepted knowledge and which do not. Oh. And that is the story of
1: Ignaz Semmelweis. Wow. All from just something I posted on Facebook. God, I'm amazing. Thank you. You're yeah, so good. I'm just incredible. I totally <laughs> didn't just steal that meme from someone else. I'm just, I mean, I stole it from you too. To I'm just that clever. <laughs> I'm just—you are very clever. That clever. So usually, when we do a topic, the other, the person who's not presenting will go and look up something weird to go with it or to compliment it. And there were things I could have brought up here, but you know, considering everything going on right now, I have just a little bit of interesting information from Princeton. This is the authoritarian checklist. Yes. So this Excellent. is just stuff, you know, if you can check this box, if we can check, let's say, five or more of these with a yes, your country may be an authoritarian regime, or at least sliding nicely into it. Yes, we're going to play a game of is America authoritarian. Uh, number one, <laughs> taking sides with a foreign power against domestic opposition. Check. Check. Number two, detention of journalists. It hasn't happened yet that we've seen, not systematically. Not systematically, but but
0: a little in a bit lot at of the protest. I mean, the protests and, is starting. Yeah, it's starting their, 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 I saw a video the other day on Black Zebra where yeah. they were literally detaining these two they clearly were marked that they were part of the media and they were smashing their
1: cameras and arresting them. It's terrifying. Number three, loss of press access to the White House. That's definitely happening. Yep. Um, Number four, made up charges against those who disagree with the government. Yep. Check. That's how he started his whole campaign. Check. Number five, use of government power to target individual citizens for rep- Number five, use of governmental power to target individual citizens for retribution. Oh, yes. Check. Number six, use of a terrorist incident or an international incident to take away civil liberties. Check. Number seven, persecution of an ethnic or religious minority either by check, the check, administration check, check. or its supporters. Check. Super check. Number eight. God, what is happening outside? I just heard a kid scream bloody murder. We're right outside the protests. No, those are <laughs> those are children. Those are awful children that live near me. Just ignore them. Number eight. Removal of civil service employees. That is happening. Check. Number nine, use the president, number nine, use of the presidency to incite popular violence against individuals or organizations. Super check. And number 10. check that one twice? Yeah, we we'll check all of them <laughs> twice. Number 10, define the orders of courts. Yeah, I w- I'm going to go ahead and say that we we have totally divulged into. Divulged?
0: Being, divulged? Diverged. No, diverged. Jesus. That's fine. I'm going to go ahead and say we've totally diverged into a totally authoritarian regime here. This shit sucks.
1: All of you listening out there, everybody needs to get out and vote November 3rd. Yes. I don't care what any of you think about Joe Biden. I think many things about Joe Biden. I am sucking it up and I am voting for Biden. And everyone, especially if you're listening to this from a swing state, for the love of God, do not let people talk you into, oh, my my morality won't let me vote for Joe Biden. If your morality won't let you get Trump out of this shit i don't know what to tell you If your
0: morality won't let you vote for joe biden but will let you vote for donald trump you need to have
1: a serious sit down with your fucking morals not even that do not sit this out it's not just don't vote for trump you need to get out there and vote too many people our age Mm -hmm. and younger do not vote i yeah i have been voting in every single election since i was old enough to do so same you need to vote every not every four years every two years yep yeah, because but, you, you can't forget about Congress you can't forget about local Senate, elections local are elections. more important than than ever because these people are stacking local governments they are mm-hmm. stacking local judicial systems get up and vote for the love of God vote do not sit out vote yeah don't get don't stick us with Donald Trump for another four fucking years for the love of God not just for another four years if he gets in there again, I highly doubt he will be removed at any point by the four and with four more years, look at the damage he has done to our democracy in four years, in four more years, there will be no more democracy to defend. He has already said that
0: if he gets voted out, he's, he's going, he's not going to leave because, because that's the thing with Donald Trump is he can't accept that. Maybe people just don't fucking like him.
1: He thinks everything's rigged. He can say that all he wants, But the military took an oath to the constitution of this country and the military has already basically told him when they tried to deploy him against American citizens Mm -hmm. in these, these riots, the military told him that they took an oath to the constitution and not to the government and not Mm -hmm. to the president, to the constitution. Mm -hmm. So he can try, decide he's not going to leave all he wants. I would actually really love to see him forcibly removed from the White yeah. House. To be honest, Nixon wanted to play that game too. That I, I, they've heard stories of Nixon trying to deploy troops on U.S. soil against U.S. citizens when he was voted out of office. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, he didn't. He was not voted out. He resigned. I, I, correct myself. But when he around that time, he decided it was time to try that. And from the people I know in the military who were there, according to them, they they got orders to deploy mm-hmm. and they just started very slowly moving and waiting because they knew it was only a matter of time for the order came down. Right. That this was not going to happen. Right. And it took about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So can't wait, it's going to be exciting regardless, but
0: yes, get out and vote. Yeah. We are begging you, please, please get out and vote. Put on a mask, go vote. Uh, so thank you all for listening to another wonderful episode of the deeper for darker variety show. We would like to thank producer Eric and Unlikely Legends Productions for producing this podcast. A huge thank you to a friend of the show, Juan Tanamara, for creating our sweet intro and outro Oh, Juan, he's so cute. Too. He is so cute. I we love, love
1: Juan. Juan.
0: <laughs> if, if you'd like to hear more from Juan, follow him on Twitch TV-Juan Solo916. That's Twitch TV dash J-U-A-N. S O L O 916 for more groovy tunes and sweet gaming tutorials. Ooh, wow. He's a master of all trades. He's pretty amazing. Uh, more than anything, thank you to everyone who has liked and subscribed to this podcast. We really enjoy doing this for you and we want to keep doing it as long as you'll have us.
1: And and even after that, because you know, we're just gonna do this is for us, guys. Yeah, Casey and I are those people that won't leave your party afterwards and just <laughs> hang out <laughs> chattering at you till six in the morning
0: till yeah. you kick us out. Pretty much. Yeah uh we can be found on the web at the deeper darker there's you can find links to all of our social media new episodes links to our streaming services including apple google iHeartRadio, and stitcher there's also a link to our paypal if you're so inclined to give us money for books or stop calling stuff. my bluffs <laughs> please call all of her bluffs <laughs> uh thanks in advance for donating and making this podcast possible please continue to like us on social media and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts Uh, As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, corrections, or topic suggestions, or you just want to be an ad sponsor or say hi or whatever, please email us at the Deeper Darker, not the Deeper Darker Variety Show. Please email us at DeeperDarkerPodcast at gmail.com. That's DeeperDarkerPodcast at gmail.com.
1: I gotta pee. Bye! (laughs)